Welcome back, listeners, to How It's Played, where we discuss and an- analyze everything gaming. My name is Eli Soglin. Joining me along today is uh, Tanner Kinney and Brad Killian. Awesome. Today we'll be talking about Red Dead Redemption 2, the long-awaited game and well-received game by critics everywhere. Practically 10 out of 10s, 9 out of 10s, 4.5s out of 5s. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jim Sterling's going to give it a 6 out of 10. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited. He doesn't give scores anymore. I think he actually put out his Jim Impressions video. I haven't watched it. Mm. But. Yeah, but it's it's been a long game in development, and... For me personally, it looks like a really good game. I just don't have this, the system for it. I don't have a PlayStation or Xbox, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. But from what I can tell, videos and gameplay, it looks pretty good. Um, have you guys ever played a Red Dead Redemption game before? Um, I played a little bit of the first one. I, ha- I had this very weird issue where anytime I would put that game in for more than a couple hours, the game disc would just d- destroy itself. I, <laughs> I don't understand. I never... I never got the chance to fully play that game through. And to be fair, it is a long game as well, so I don't think little old me would have the attention span for it. But even still, from what I remember playing of it, it was a phenomenal game. Yeah, yeah. And, and now when you say the first game, you're of course talking about the critically acclaimed Red Dead Revolver. Of course I am. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, like I actually had to do some research, research with this game in the first place, and... I realized how weird it was and how similar it was to Dark Souls, which is weird because, like, mm. both of these series, even though it says, you know, Dark Souls 2 or, like, Red Dead Redemption 2, there's still, you know, Demon Souls and Red Dead Revolver, which is so weird. But it's okay. We don't need to talk about Red Dead Revol- Revolver because exactly. it's not a very good game. And that's not what the it's podcast is about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with, the, with Red Dead Redemption, I did play the first one. Uh, I stole it from my cousins. They don't, they won't listen. They, they're not, they won't listen to this, but we stole it from you. So take that, idiots. Uh, so, yeah, I played through a good chunk of it. Uh, I will say I mostly just had fun, like going around shooting things, and I gambled away all my money. And I was like, that's a video game. Such is the way. That's a video game. And then I stopped playing and I never finished it. Hmm. So um, are you guys planning on picking up the second one or even trying out the second one? I I want to wait for the PC version, which hopefully comes out. I'm pretty sure it's coming out, right? Oh, yeah, just like Red Dead Redemption PC version. Exactly. So it's yeah. like I'm not, I'm not in <laughs> any rush to buy an Xbox One or a PS4 just to play one game. And, you know, I'm... What if and when it comes out to PC, I I might consider picking it up, but I don't have any real, you know, need to at the moment. I've got enough games as it yeah. is. I'm in the same boat waiting for PC. I mean I I do have a PlayStation 4, but at the same time it's like sixty dollars yeah. for a game that I'm not like like if I loved the first one, I would have already picked up the second one. But at this point it's like I, I was okay with the first one. Uh don't really need the second unless it goes on sale. Right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Do you guys think this game will be a game of the year contender? Ooh. It'll be a contender. Like, what are the games that come out this year? Uh, like major games. Yeah, like a big solid Black Ops hitters. Four is yeah, the first one that comes to mind. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, and Blops Four is 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 better than the other Call of Duties, but oh, you know, sure. you know, it's not it, really it's still got its problems. Not really a game of the year contender. Uh, saying Black I, Ops has a game of the year contender is a little bit. It it puts a sour taste in my I, mouth. It, it deserves to be in the conversation. I don't think it's a winner, but I do think it deserves to be there. Yeah. Strictly on the merits of like. All the bad press that was going into it, with the lack of the uh, the single player stuff and all the pre order shenanigans, 
Activision loves to do. I still think it's like it's a phenomenal game despite all the server issues. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's still like, you know, it deserves to be mentioned at least. Yeah, yeah, but, but other uh, than that, I can't really think of other games that have come out this year. No, not. You feel like an idiot when we like pull up a list or something. Yeah, uh, there's definitely been some games. Like I'm trying to think through the ones I've reviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a personal thing, but I'm pretty sure Nino Kuni 2 came out this year. But yeah, that's not really right. Yeah, that's not really game of the year material either. Even though yeah. I love the game, it's not really that great. I mean, it's this year has sort of felt like an off year, honestly. Uh, I mean, compared to last year, because yeah. last year was incredible. Yeah. Last uh, year you had like Breath of the Wild, you had Odyssey, you had, you know, you had a lot whole of Nintendo s- stuff. Yeah, a lot of Nintendo stuff. Yeah, but like this year, it's been like there hasn't been a huge amount of games. I haven't found an urge to go out and buy a game this year mm-hmm. just because like it's there you know oh god of war released this year that's right oh yeah god was, of war and then um the latest assassin's creed uh assassin's odyssey, odyssey spider-man spider-man oh, spider-man Sp- holy crap. yeah spider-man will also be a game of the year contender. yeah you know, this is the problem with being a pc gamer is that these amazing ps4 games come out and they just go straight over my head Ooh, octopath octopath traveler oh uh, mm, so- I, I love octopath yeah. oh, you, you come at me <laughs> you you that was a game i remember being hyped up during that um that reveal for Nintendo, what was it, like a Switch event? Yeah, it was yeah. Like, something. like one of the first Switch events they showed, Project yeah. Octopath. Like, I remember that game getting a lot of like attention, but then like it came out and I didn't really hear much about it. Yeah, but... So, but if, from what I understand, it's good, then awesome. Yeah, in terms of like competition, though, for Red Dead, uh, it will have to compete with God of War and, yeah. Spider- and Spider-Man. It's a lot of PlayStation, which is weird. And, and Smash Ultimate, once oh, that comes yeah. out. Oh, that's this year? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah it's gonna, g- g- Red Dead is a very strong contender. That, yeah, but it's gonna have some competition. It's not gonna be like at the Game Awards last year, where it was where whatever one was against Poobu. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm glad. You know what? If anything, going back to Black Ops Four, I'm so happy that game is like as playable and good as it is, because that means PUBG can finally go away. Because there's no reason for people to play PUBG when Black Ops Four is a thing. I despise PUBG. And that's why I was always rooting for Fortnite, even though you know, with all the cringy kids and this, that, and the other, I don't care. PUBG is my least favorite game of all time. I spent thirty dollars on a broken mess, and I I'm so happy it's so irrelevant now. But I mean, we're, we're getting off topic. Yeah, back, yeah, back, back, back to Red Dead Redemption. Back, back, exactly. Yeah. Outside of Battle Royales, which I'm trying to escape <laughs> all the time now. You can't. There's going to be Red Dead Redemption 2 Battle Royale nope. coming soon. Oh, nope. DLC. You get to buy shark cards. That almost <laughs> makes me want to vomit. But um, I wasn't expecting this game to be out so soon. If we um, look back to when it was originally announced, it was 2017. It was really? last It was last year that like they showed off the story and like, officially kind of announced it back then yeah it definitely felt like when this game finally came out it like it felt like it was two weeks of people being like all right here it comes two weeks from now and it felt like like, wait when was this thing announced like this thing is sort of coming out of nowhere like honestly yeah they didn't provide a lot of like news coverage over it and e3 was sort of taken over by smash yeah honestly let's let's be honest yeah uh they're doing they're doing the bethesda thing where like what they did with fallout 4 where he's like fallout 4 is coming out literally in three months buy it idiots yeah Yeah. uh 
works because hey, they can take as long as they want to develop it, as long as no one knows what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't mind that. I like to be surprised. Yeah, com- mm. yeah compare that to Final Fantasy thirteen versus oh, the Last Guardian. <laughs> oh, the Last well, Guardian. Yeah, both of those games actually released, and now Red Dead Redemption to Kingdom Hearts three. We don't talk about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> We're not, th- this is not the Kingdom Hearts I podcast. God, those cutscenes that he creates. How can people look at that and say, like, I want that on my bookshelf or in my console right now? It's I don't get it. This is a personal attack. <laughs> but, I mean, there's, there, despite the time frame in which this was announced and when this came out, there's a lot of content in this. Like, the details on... You know, literally, I'm looking at the numbers right now. I wrote this down from an article with Vulture, and uh, the, uh, I believe it's the sort of head of Rockstar, Dan Hauser. He's he said that there's um, 22 out or 22 days of motion capture work, 1,200 actors, 300,000 animations, 500,000 lines of dialogue, and 200 animal species. And, and to clarify, you meant. 2,200 days instead of 22 days. Oh, yeah. Because you said 22. <laughs> but, yeah, there's still, like, it's, that's yeah. a long, that's a long amount of time. Like, that takes a lot of dedication. And it like, does, really, like, looking at these numbers, it does make, it, it makes me, you know, awe-inspired on one part, but on the other part, I'm just like, man, so many of the player base is not even going to, like, look at this stuff. Yeah. It's like, how many hours, and we're going to get to that in a second, <laughs> how many hours are put into this game, and, like, have, like, the majority, the vast majority of players will not notice it. Yeah, especially because, like, a lot of these NPCs and lines of dialogue, they're for side content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about how many people actually care about side content, you, especially compared to the normal Rockstar audience, because think about... Along with, you know, the people who are interested in Red Dead, you'll have the people who joined, like, they got interested in Rockstar through GTA V, which mm-hmm. was the biggest selling piece of entertainment media of all time. And still is. Yeah. Still is. Surprisingly, um, Red Dead Redemption 2 has already broken a lot of records. It's really? currently number two in uh, best-selling entertainment, which is not really surprising because it's... It's, you know, it's, it, it's highly yeah. anticipated, and it's Rockstar. Yeah. That's, that's still crazy to me that it's like the same studio can, you know, with essentially back-to-back releases, break all these records and blow, you know, these expectations out of the water. That's mm. insane. Yeah, Todd Howard is shaking. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, games are becoming, like, really huge. Like, you see it just partnered up with everything, and it's just a huge industry now. It's okay. so many billions of dollars, and it's... Just constantly being put everywhere. It's just part of the culture now. Like mm. you assume, like at least for me, I assume that like when I'm walking down the street, I'm looking at people. I can safely assume that at least most of the people I see play some type of game, even if it's just like you know some mobile games. Mm. It's like it's safe to assume that most people play some form of a video game. Even mm. my roommate who does like you know he's always out partying and like all this stuff. I will see him playing like Sims Three on his laptop every now and, <laughs> and again. I'm just like man. A couple of years ago, he would have been beaten. He would have been beaten up for sure. Yeah. But now it's just like a thing everyone does. I'm just really surprised with like how much, like despite all these games and stuff, like the detail for like each individual game nowadays is just so immense. Like mm-hmm. if you think about like games like Breath of the Wild and Red Dead Redemption 2, like everything has its own like natural environment, and it's just getting really close. Like 
realism, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like every game is their own living and breathing world. Yeah, Tanner, would you yeah. like to elaborate on the horses of Red Dead Redemption 2? <laughs> yeah, so Rockstar Games, they think they're great. Uh, they want to add a lot of extra detail, whether that means their employees die or not. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that they added was they specifically made it so that horse testicles, and I don't know if that, that'll get censored. I don't know. Uh, hor- uh, horse testicles <laughs> uh, shrink in cold weather because that's something people wanted. That's so. <laughs> My immersion. <laughs> they wanted to be immersed. And you know what? Uh, in the last uh, Jimquisition episode, talking about mm. Jim Sterling again, mm. he's, he said he looked, he didn't notice. <laughs> so thank now. you, Rockstar. Four out of ten. <laughs> Where the horse has to go. shrinkage. Where... <laughs> it's shrinkage. I was in a pool. That's so, that's just. <laughs> I was so in weird. a pool. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things that you don't need to put into your game. That is one of them. Thoroughly disagree. Go on. <laughs> I mean, the game, like, I feel like you're just wasting processing then. You're just wasting the amount, think about yeah. the amount of work that was put into making that. Yeah, like, could have been made I'll, into something else. All joking aside, like, we're also going to talk about, like, the crunch stuff with Rockstar and crunch. how that came about. But yeah, just like this whole horse testicle thing and all these other little animations and stuff, it does really make me feel like you're you're working your workers so freaking hard for what? Just like the undercarriage of a horse, which most players, once again, will never see, just to say that like it's so like detailed and in there. It's you know Yeah. I can't respect that. Yeah, what cause something that you need to think about when you're adding like immersive details to your game is does it enhance the experience of playing the video game right does it actually make the game better to have this feature that will take up processing power and make it harder to run on a lot of systems oh yeah yeah especially for pc games there there's a reason so many pc games are so poorly optimized because they have all these basically useless features that they they invest all this time into and no one really notices. It's like, oh, hey, that rain looks nice. Like, remember Arkham Knight? Yeah. Well, they, were, they they talked about how great their rain was, and then the whole game was a disaster, but the rain looked good. Mm. I mean, like, I think it falls back onto what developers need to realize, or not not really developers, maybe like their the management of corporations, because if you look at um, consoles, you'll realize that there's obviously a couple cuts in terms of like graphics and details and and that's there for a reason they know what they're dealing with when it comes to pcs though it's a little bit different it's like yeah how much you you have to put in that that's why like that is like the main reason why pc games are so hard to optimize is because when you're developing for an xbox or the switch or ps4 or even mobile games for the most part, you're developing for one, like, system. You know what every component does, where it is, and what it does, like, you know, how powerful it is. With PC, you have so much variety in tech that you have to accommodate for AMD, you have to accommodate for NVIDIA, you have to accommodate for Intel, like, all these different, um, all these different specifications that it can get really muddled, where you'll have, like, weird issues where it's, like, this NVIDIA machine can run this game just fine, but AMD has all these weird little glitches. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
I, I just find it really weird how we discuss, like, is it consoles? Is it, like, the PC that you're having? I feel like it just always falls back onto, like, corporations. Not, like, really mm-hmm. the developers. I mean, it might be if they're really, really passionate about it, but, like, it always falls back onto the corporations. Yeah, they just want something good for the press release. They want to be able to put out a, a press article saying, look at our horse testicles, you yeah. degenerates. <laughs> Check out these big old bollocks. And I know you'll look, now that we've mentioned it. I mean, like, going back to the article with Vulture, um, Dan Hauser said that um, their employees speaking about numbers and impressive things. <laughs> what they, other they, impressive <laughs> number did Dan Hauser talk about, Eli? They said he said explicitly that their employees have worked several one one hundred hour weeks to get Red Dead Redemption Two out. Now, to, wow. to be clear, it was later clarified that it was the writing staff specifically mm-hmm. that were working these one hour one hundred hour weeks, and it was only like a couple of them, like. Four or five at the most. Yeah, like the executive member of the writing team, and they all worked it voluntarily. Right. And if you didn't hear the air quotes around voluntarily, (laughs) let me tell you, they didn't do it voluntarily. Yeah, I mean. But even still, you know, 100, 100 hours of work is still insane no matter what you do. I mean, I. For if I was developing a game, I feel like. It would be a weird mix because when we think about, you know, like just typical public, when you think about people making games, it's typically considered a very passionate kind of career. They do it because they love it. But like, you do it because it's art. Yeah. And video games are art. But to all the detractors. (laughs) But at what point does it become work for them? Like, what point is, what is the ledge? Probably at once. Once they start working ten hours and haven't seen their family in weeks, then they're like, "Hey, wait a minute! Is this really a passion project anymore? Do I have passion anymore? Why am I working on this? Why am I even exist?" (laughs) So, do you think it's like the amount of hours that they work? Is it like the work environment? Is it maybe just the management overall? Is it? I I I don't know. It it could be a mix of things, honestly. Yeah, I definitely feel like. A lot of this comes down to, like, management, where it's just, like, if your leader doesn't have a proper plan for you for, like, um, you know, what the the course is for this project, and you'll end up working, you know, exuberant hours, you know, at the end because you didn't manage your time correct, or, like, the managers didn't manage the project correctly, then it's, like, you know, that's on them, and it's, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it goes back to the thing. The things like management will typically ask, like, hey, we want this, this, and this, and this, and then we'll make it. And then they always want something added on to the end. And that's where it sort of piles on because it'll just constantly do that. Like, within my own field of like computer science, like, yeah, we work a lot of hours. And like, yeah, it, it's to be expected because it's something that we're passionate about. But like, there's just a point in time in which you get tired. I feel like no matter what career you go into, there's always a ledge that's like a little bit past your comfort zone. Like, I shouldn't be sitting up at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. every night just to get this one thing done. You know, I feel yeah. like 
you should have a life, probably. No. <laughs> How dare game developers think that they deserve to have a life in their entertainment job? Because legally, in California, they don't need to work, care about workers' restrictions, and they don't have a union. Who cares? Who cares about the game developer? Yeah, speaking about um, unions and game, de- or game developers, um, I believe at a PAX event recently, there was a small group of game developers wanting to like trying to form a union around there and they found it incredibly hard i believe it was a new york times article that actually talked to them recently and like the industry is just so against them because the mentality within that industry is the constantly thinking like oh since you're passionate about it you surely want to work all these hours, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to crunch, right? You want to crunch for eight months, right? Want to get the game out on time, right? Right. The problem with, like, especially with the game industry is just, like, with with these, like, basically inhumane work conditions of working, you know, exuberant hours, the problem is it's not that sexy. Like, if you think way back to whatever, like, the 1920s or whenever unions were first, like, invented... You know, like those workers were being worked literally to death. And it's like you can like that's been sort of romanticized as like the workers finally standing up for themselves and not being killed. But like when you think about it nowadays, it's like, you know, workers wanting to be able to go home to their families and just like not have back pains and like headaches and like all this stuff. It doesn't sound as sexy, but it's just as important. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. it's not as easy of a sell. I mean, how do you think this sort of practice of overworking came about in the first place, especially within the game yeah, indi- I mean, industry? I mean, crunch is just like a thing in tech. Like, for the longest time, there's been a culture of crunching to meet deadlines, at least in, like, software development. I'm mm-hmm. not really familiar with it because that's not my field. But, like, specifically in the games industry, crunch has been a problem for a long time. And this is even going back to the... EA spouse controversy in 2004, mm-hmm. where the wife of an EA developer posted on LiveJournal about how EA had terrible work conditions and basically worked her husband to death to the point where he was irritable and completely horrible to to like live with. Mm-hmm. Like the EA broke him, and this was <laughs> to the point where two years later, when she went public and lawsuits came out against EA, they mm-hmm. won. Mm. Uh, they actually this uh, in 2006. They actually succeeded in uh, getting money for unpaid overtime from EA. And since then, EA has improved their working conditions, and there is now like actual proof we have that EA is a very solid developer to work for. Mm. But that's just one. And like I've heard, Ubisoft is pretty great to work for. Yeah. From like, t- of course, it's all just anecdotal uh, stuff off of Reddit from when I was reading threads about it. But you know, c- companies like CD Projekt Red, they have they're also notorious for working their employees to the bone. Yeah. For for their reasoning being, why would we need to not reinvent the wheel? We believe that we should reinvent the wheel every time because it makes a better game. <laughs> no, please stop. It's like that. If you're reinventing the wheel every time, you can run, you can very easily run into a Sega problem where they <laughs> constantly trying to change Sonic to make it you know amazing. And the worst part is when they get it. 
right? Like, we had Sonic Mania. We had Sonic uh, Colors. You know, all these, like, pretty good games. But then, like, immediately after... We Sonic, get Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom. We get, you know, the the Werewolf one. This. We get the, the Night one. Well, uh, I own both of those, by the way. Yeah, Not uh, a fan. No. You... you you see, and this is off topic. We're talking about Sanic here. Uh, <laughs> the those the the storybook games and Unleash came from like backlash against 06 being the one of the biggest train wrecks of all time. Yeah. Speaking of games with terrible deadlines and overworking their employees, Sonic 06. Uh, that that game was a travesty. And so Sega has been so worried about their games becoming stale ever since. Yep. That they're like, uh, uh, of uh, Sonic Forces, you can create your own OC. You like this, guys? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> just, just no. But like, I mean, I feel like a lot of companies secretly do this. We're just not aware of it until like things actually come out. So like, in terms of Red Dead Redemption Two, um. I noticed that they, like, people started talking about it. Like, the developers actually, you know, sent out, like, statements about it once the company sort of, like, opened it up for them to, you know, talk with the media and stuff. And a lot of them said that while the work conditions weren't great, they weren't terrible either. Like, yeah. they're, like, they they were sort of mild on, their, on it. They're, like, yeah, well, technically we work, like, a ton of hours, but, like, the people who work 100 hours... There are those people, but it's not like everyone. Like, so it it is a mixed bag to work with. I feel like. Yeah, I think that just goes back to the fact that it's the culture. You know, it's expected of workers to like, you know, work these insane hours. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, over the summer, I worked at a uh, a gas plant, like a gas. Uh, we were building like cryo plants, mm -hmm. and it is you know expected of you in the construction industry that you're working minimum like 50 hours you know yeah and like i i would have day i would have weeks where you know 70 hour work weeks seven days a week stuff like that and granted it is like hard physical labor so it's a little bit different but even still working that much has a very serious toll on your physical and your mental state and so I, I definitely feel like if we want to see change, it's got to start like with the culture itself. Yeah, and there are diminishing returns on crunch, and we have evidence, we have scientific research that points to crunch being a bad thing. And talking about what you said that not everyone worked 100-hour work weeks, of course not everyone worked 100-hour work yeah. weeks. Oh, right, but in right. an article by uh, Jason Schreier of Kotaku, uh, he asked, he got a bunch of anonymous tips, but I mean it's anonymous. So what if they're lying? But oh, it was man. a lot of corrob uh, corrob corroborating evidence. Is that the right word? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the right word. Mm -hmm. Where uh, he says nobody interviewed said that they had worked 100 hour weeks. That would equate to seven 14 hour days. But many said that their average weekly hours came close to 55 or 60, which mm -hmm. would make for six 10 hour days. Most current and former Rockstar employees said that they had been asked or felt compelled to work nights and weekends. Some were on hourly contracts and got paid for overtime, but many were salaried and did not receive any compensation for their extra hours. Yeah, see, that's the part that really like infuriates me, because going back to my construction example, is that even though we had to work those hours, we still got paid You know, the overtime. It was like double the... Um, it was like time and a half. Yeah. So it's like your hourly rate plus half of that. 
all added into your overtime. And when I hear stuff like that, where it's like they aren't being compensated properly for the work that they did, that that really infuriates me. And it's like, I don't care what you're making. It's like, mm-hmm. protect your workers. You know, give them what they're owed. It's, it, like, it's ridiculous. I think it falls back onto how they're paid because a lot of them are paid via salary. So, like, mm-hmm. I bet, like, a lot of their just bosses are just basically just saying, hey, that's part of your salary. You're sort of... Your job requirement says this and additional work if necessary or something like that. Because, like, I feel like it all falls back onto management. I keep on saying that. But, like, it's honestly true, though, because, like, it's... I mean, while it's not required for them to, like, work overtime, like Tanner said, I feel like it's definitely something that they constantly push. They're like, they're like, we're working this many hours. Why aren't you working yeah, this many and hours? It's, it's peer pressure at mm-hmm. that point. And, and it's also the fact that most of these game developers aren't permanent employees of these companies. A lot of game, empl- a lot of game developers are freelancers. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a way that these, uh, you know, these companies can sort of threaten their like these freelancers and basically say it's like you can work you know these insane hours not complain about it or you complain and you you know it's goodbye you know yeah. there's a line waiting to replace you it's like yeah the the possibility of not being put on the next project or the right. next game is really intimidating to you know employees and i feel like it does create that like frustrated mentality of like not doing your work like that focusing on the work that you should because there's that constant fear of being you know not really attacked but being cut right just yeah. because you're not performing yeah, you're not up telling to, the line yeah and, and the worst part is is that with game development even like there are con there are the independent contractors but then you have the actual employees of the company and pretty much after every major game release there are huge layoffs. Right. And I'm not saying that layoffs are a telltale sign mm-hmm. of things going wrong, but... Where there's there, there's fire. They're, they're, there's, they're, they're, they're normal at this point. It's like, you, you, finish, you finish a game, well, good, good, good luck to about 70% of you finding new work. I think Ubisoft's hiring. You better hope. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that with a lot of, like, game... De- like... I can tell when a game is being developed or when a studio is developing a game based off their, you know, jobs listing. Like, Retro Game Studios is now hiring this developer that can do platformers or something like that. I'm like, oh. wow. <laughs> wow. I wonder what they're working on. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Star Fox kart racer, right? <laughs> God. But, like, I mean, Tanner sort of alluded to it, but um, Telltale Games... Um, may it rest in peace. Rest in <laughs> hell, Telltale. <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't want people to defend Telltale no, at this point. I won't. Telltale <laughs> is the management of Telltale, specifically Kevin Bruner, is a documented scumbag. Mm-hmm. We have evidence that he's a legitimately terrible person. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't care how great Telltale games were because you know what, Wolf Among Us was great. I like Tales from the Borderlands, but Telltale as a company. They were terrible. Like they, fu- Kevin Bruner forced his god awful engine onto every employee. Switch because you the Telltale tool. It's like this is my perfect engine. It's perfect for our games. All of them are exactly the same. But don't worry about it. And 
they would have to spend all this time teaching people how to work with this awful telltale tool to the point where it's like they couldn't get any work done and like turnover was ridiculously high towards the end of telltale's lifespan and then you know the company just shuts its doors fires everyone they they do everything incorrectly to end the company and now they're getting sued for it. They're getting sued for the money they don't have. Yeah, it's, it's just really um, interesting with Telltale. I've never really liked their games in the first place. I'm not a fan of, like, choose your own, like, little path because in all those games, the path ends in the same way, generally. Yeah. But, like, I feel like when it ter- comes to that, like, Kevin Bruner is probably the worst person out of this entire <laughs> crunch debacle. I mean, Dan Hauser is a pretty interesting guy, but... Yeah. And the guy who said, we want to reinvent the wheel from CD Projekt Red, he's also not, you know, a great guy, but Kevin yeah. Bruner... Yeah, it's like saying that you're better than Kevin Bruner, it's like, that is not a high bar, and you shouldn't be, like, you know... That shouldn't be on your resume, basically. Like, not only did, like, Kevin Bruner, like, force, you know, his co-workers to work incredibly long hours and just try to funnel all the developers into it and, like, try, try to make these insane projects where they constantly work on two things at once, apparently. Um, but he also, like you were saying, like, he sort of micromanages his teams, like, He's like, oh, I don't like the color of this wall. Let's change it. And then, like, the next day he'll be like, I don't like it. Let's change it back. And, like, it's all the little small details, like, the work environment that, like, I assume that he's going, like, putting everyone through is absolute crap. Or did. No. Or did. did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before they got rid of him, before oh, they, yeah. before Telltale, the organization, outed him. But at that point, they were already bleeding money and there was no going back. Yeah, exactly. Like, once you have someone that's very toxic in a work environment like that, I believe um, it's really hard to really kick them out because I feel like it sort of goes against their ego, you know? Like, I assume the guy had a pretty big ego saying, like, oh, this is right, this is wrong. Yeah, because he was the co-founder. Yeah. He, he, he made The Walking Dead. He should know. Yeah. I should know everything that's going on in this organization because I am the co-founder and everyone needs to work exactly like I do. Nothing can deviate because otherwise I would make games too interesting and they might actually sell. <laughs> there was definitely the meme going around where it's just like, oh, it's a Telltale game, which means they all play the same, essentially, with, like, a, a coat of Walking Dead paint or a coat of Game Mortal of Thrones paint. Yeah. Especially noticeable with Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, originally it was like, I, I liked the idea originally, like the with Wolf Among Us, but like once it got beyond that, once it like started going to like Borderlands and Game of Thrones, that's when I like started just like, nope, can't stand it. When it became, when the, the, the company essentially became a machine for making these other IPs into this style of game, mm-hmm. then it's just like, you know. Yeah, and they, they put their workers through this awful work environment, this awful crunch, and they didn't even do it the best, especially mm-hmm. in comparison to stuff like Supermassive with Until Dawn mm-hmm. or, you know, David Cage, I don't want to say he's a good guy, but Detroit Become Human is a pretty good example as well of a well-done story choice-based game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when it comes down to crunch, I think, I mean, employees and their mentality are really important. But, like, you can also see it through the games, like we were saying, like, in terms of Telltale games, like, like you were saying, like, everything is practically feels the same. But, like, we got Red Dead Redemption 2, and that game is fantastic. And, I mean... Yeah, it's just, like, 
going back to those examples, with all this, like, crunch talk and all that, it especially feels insulting when it's, like, you're crunching for so many hours and this is what you produce. It's like The Walking Dead, but with a coat of Borderlands paint on it. It's like, that's the best you could do with all this time. And it's clear that they put, there are people who are passionate working on this project. Yeah. But they're so restricted by the tools that they have and being overworked and, you know, their brains basically being fried to their, they can't put in their best work. Mm, Definitely. I mean, I think... Uh, we we sort of discussed this beforehand, but there is a silver lining when it does come to um, Nintendo, which I always <laughs> like to discuss Nintendo. Uh, but um, in terms of that corporation itself, um, I remember when um, Tanner also pointed this out earlier that when Nintendo was taking a hit with the Wii U sales, <laughs> um, Iwata... May God, like may he rest. May, may he actually rest. May he actually, my dude. He he was a legend, and he is still a legend. Um, he actually took a pay cut himself, which is fantastic. And that also reminds me, um, when they were developing Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U, Sakurai, the you know the director, he actually got like his hand was constantly injured throughout the entire development, but he. You know, like work, work through the pain. Yeah, work through the pain. And I, I, I think it might just be a part of like the Japanese development culture where it's leadership down. That's yeah. where leadership, the leadership positions will always put in the most effort, and they'll take the pay cuts. That those they'll take responsibility for the failings of the people below them. When compare that to like Western game development, and you have people like Dan Hauser who's like, <laughs> one hundred hour work weeks are cool, right? Right. <laughs> But then we'd also have to remember that Konami is a Japanese company as well. Uh, well, so Ko- it's, it's Konami not... had problems. <laughs> Konami didn't have management that was... Oh, Konami did have management that was bad to their employees. <laughs> I, yeah. I take that back. Like, I think this is a Nintendo sort of exclusive thing where that's just like a very well-run company. <laughs> they don't understand the internet very well. They don't understand <laughs> yeah. modern technology. But from what we hear, it seems like a pretty nice place to work that it's like even the 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 upper you know levels like give a damn basically yeah and it's just like i'm sure that there are plenty of other executive type people in game development where we don't hear exactly what they do for their employees but it is unfortunate that it it's probably not an uncommon thought that there are more bad developers and or bad managers than there are good ones unfortunately yeah, I, I find the weirdest thing to be about this entire thing is the amount of sort of censorship in the industry overall. Because in terms of like Nintendo, we never really hear much about like development, or we we really don't hear about a lot of development when it comes to like decent, like actually decent living ones. Because you only really hear the bad news of stuff like that. Like on occasion, I have heard like when it comes to like Nintendo, like the let people play Smash Brothers all the time. Not only does it help test the game, but also, you know, is enjoyable because it's Smash. And like, right. the, like other corporations do as well. Like I know, like Cyan- Cyanix, 
um, they do it for uh, Rocket League. They just play it constantly just to get a feel for the game and make sure mm-hmm. everything's going well and stuff like that. And but like, and of course, this isn't to say that fostering a company of gamers is a great idea. Riot mm-hmm. Games, oh, yeah. oh. Riot Games. Mm-hmm. We're not getting into that. No, today. no. No, because that is another rant that I'll get into that'll clip the audio. So you have to deal with it, Eli. (laughs) But I mean, like, overall, I just find it a little bit weird because, like, I just want to know more about the development cycle. And I feel like if you would become a, you know, video game developer, I feel like a lot of the people who currently just go into that industry aren't aware of what's going on at all. Yeah, it's a lot of secrecy and I definitely think studios would benefit from like just letting their employees be, you know, vocal about all the like we we heard when Rockstar when that article came out about the hundred hour work weeks, we heard that Rockstar lifted almost like a ban on social media for their employees. Yeah, they, yeah, they were like, you, it's okay, guys. You can say what you want about the situation. And of course, if their name's attached to it, they aren't going to say anything negative because right. that gets you fired. But then it's like, that makes me think, it's like, wait, there was a ban on your social exactly. media? It's like, why? That makes no That makes it seem like you're trying to hide something besides like, you know, Game deep stuff, game details and stuff. Yeah, like that. no one wants to be a Grinch and leak things, but uh, <laughs> even though like everything uh, nowadays gets leaked into oblivion. Which, <laughs> I mean, I can't believe you made that reference, but I hey, we'll find out soon. <laughs> if not by the, t- by the time this podcast comes out, but I mean, I feel like it, it is a little bit weird because I. F- it goes back to the management. It goes back to the company. It's like, yeah, you can't talk about, you know, your job on social media because you might leak details about your game. But in all secrecy, it might be also about suppressing how much you work, how much crap you get at work. And you're just not allowed to tell anyone about it on social media because you're probably going to get fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The gaming industry is also really unique in that it is hard to manage the industry since technology evolves at an exponential rate which means you're constantly getting new ways to do things and the thing about the gaming industry is like when technology improves in say the movie industry your job gets easier or your job gets taken away and replaced by robots (laughs) when it comes to the game industry technology improves your job gets harder and that it because like you have to relearn software you have to relearn everything and i definitely think that management has a very hard time, like a particularly hard time in the game industry itself. But I think that in that case, you just need to get people that are more able to adapt and are more willing to adapt. I mean, for for myself, I was reading about how multiple game companies, including Telltale, would use sort of gifts to make up for like this intensity. <laughs> like they would be like, oh sorry we worked you like this much and like we really pushed this deadline. Here's a cookie. Here's a chocolate bunny. <laughs> like, basically like that. Like, like do you guys honestly that? like can I offer you an egg in these trying times? Like <laughs> I I don't feel like it's fair, honestly. Like Oh no. No, like <laughs> like that's like sorry for your psychological burden now that's constantly placed on you twenty four seven. Here's this cake. Or at least a slice of it. Yo, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As if they uh, if they had allowed people to make cakes in the in the game industry. There mm-hmm. is a there is a story I don't know if it was I don't remember who it was. 
and I think they were a Telltale employee, where they might not have been Telltale. No, they worked for Team Bondi. Hmm. If you if y'all remember Team Bondi, and guess who's who was their publisher? Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. She was an employee for Team Bondi, and they had to work ridiculous hours because you know anything about Team Bondi, you know that that was a horribly mismanaged company working on L.A. Noir. Mm-hmm. And that game's fantastic, but the, the the company behind it was so horribly mismanaged that everyone was working like 80 hour weeks. Mm-hmm. So to help alleviate that, this lady started baking cakes for everyone and they'd take 30 minute breaks to eat cake and just relax. And that was OK for a while. And then management stepped in. They're like, how dare you? <laughs> we want you to stop baking cakes. Otherwise, you're fired. <laughs> That's and then so she weird. left. And then she I think she left after that. I I didn't even know that was a thing apparently. That's Here, <laughs> Let me see if I I can't find who the uh person was. Like, yeah, if that was during LA Noir, that just makes it all the sadder cuz it's like mm-hmm. that that game, it was good, but it was like middling, honestly. Like I just yeah. remember all the face animation stuff that was around that and how that was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. But it's like the game itself was pretty meh. Like, I own the game. I didn't, I didn't even finish it. I mean, I think it just go, goes back to, like, how long has this been an issue? Because, yeah. I mean, even for Rockstar, when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, or, like, and all this stuff coming came out as well, they sort of went back to, like, a couple of the workers who used to work for Rockstar was like, oh, yeah, they also did this for um, Red Dead 1. They did it for GTA 4 and 5. They've been doing it for a while now. And it's yeah. it's it's sort of scary that we're just now hearing about that because, you know, it got leaked a little bit like of people actually yeah. getting worked a hundred hours because their management accidentally said that. Yeah, and uh to clarify about the cake lady, I looked it up. Her name is Jen Sandercock. Oh. An uh, employee of Team Bondi who wanted to have cake days and then management told her to stop. Because it was jeopard, she was de- jeopardizing her career by making cakes. That was an actual quote. That's shout out to Jen. Shout out, shout outs to Cake Lady Jen. Definitely need a cake lady in my life. That would be amazing. Stress cake. I could use a stress cake. Uh, I could right use now. a stress cake. Yep. But um, do you guys think that um, there's a way to change this crunch industry? Yeah, unionize. I know that sounds like communist propaganda, and it kind of is, but unionize. There's a reason the voice actors actually got stuff done when they had their voice actors strike is because mm-hmm. they're backed by SAG-AFTRA. Game, the game, game developers don't have that. Yeah. And if they did have that, they could start solving these crunch issues and at least get paid for their work. Yeah, it was super frustrating when the voice acting stuff was going on, hearing the game developers, you know... Complain, complain towards the voice actors. Like, why do you guys think you deserve to get paid more than us or be treated better than us? To get paid royalties for your work when we don't. It's like, hey, dumbasses, you should be complaining then too. It's like, (laughs) it's like, don't drag the voice actors down with you. Rise with them. You know, get treated like a human being. 
overthrow EA. Let's yeah. do it. Let's but, <laughs> but EA is fine. Let's over. Let's overthrow Rockstar. CD. I hope CD Projekt Red's doing well with their development <laughs> right now because they're working on Cyberpunk. Yeah. Can't wait to hear how they reinvent the wheel this time. I mean, that game, game of the year, game of the century. I just have stuff against EA, honestly. <laughs> Not because their development. Like, uh, EA team. has a lot of problems, but in terms of like work environment, I've heard it's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you get called out like they did with the whole EA spout, then that's those tend to be the problems you don't have twice. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you when you have to uh, not only give fourteen point seven million dollars in unpaid overtime to all your employees, but also have to pay charities. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good stuff, EA. You don't make that mistake twice. Right on. Awesome. Well, I think that's been about all we've had today. Joining me today was Tanner Kinney and Brad Killian. Awesome. Make sure to check us out on ByteBSU.com along with social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all the fun social media areas. Uh, This has been Eli Soakland and How It's Played. Thank you for listening.